And welcome to Small Biz Matters, the half-hour program where you do work on your business rather than it. My name is Alexi Boyd. Thank you for joining me. We've got another great guest here this week and we've had a number of really fantastic guests over the last few weeks too. Thank you for joining us once again to get all of your business education needs. Today is a really important program because we're talking all about the importance of being educated in a compliance sense. We talk a lot about growing your business, about getting out there and networking and all the fabulous things that you can do to improve your business and grow it. But we don't often touch on the compliance side of things. And who better to help us with compliance than the ATO? So today we're going to be talking about um, the fact of the matter is that there is a rollout happening at the moment across a number of industries. It's been with the construction industry for a while and it's called a TPAR. And the, the, the meaning of that, of course, is a tax payment reporting system. So if you're in the construction industry, it's probable that you've actually been aware of it for a number of years, or you definitely should have been. And it's part of your annual reporting requirements. But if you're in the courier or cleaning industry, or if perhaps if you utilise that service or provide that service to your clients, have you even heard of it? Or this is your official heads up also if you're in security and IT. So you can hear me talking about a lot of different industries, not just building and construction, which has been familiar with TPARs for a number of years. If you provide any of those services, today is the day to listen really closely. Now, if you've got a great bookkeeper, you're all over it. They've been helping you for a number of years. But for the remaining 95% of businesses, are you aware of what this requirement is and how to be compliant and more importantly, why it's in place? As we know, the ATOs are the administrators of the legislation that is handed down to them from the federal government. And it's good for us to know why it is that these, I guess, compliance uh, requirements are, are made mandatory for us as small business. The why, um, what, is it, what is it improving in society as, as a whole if we actually implement this? And is it really a burden for for us or are we just making sure that everybody's looked after? Today we welcome the Marcus Chu, the Director of Small Business at the Australian Taxation Office, who looks after all the aspects of reporting to the ATO in relation to TPARs and he's going to chat to us about why it's in place and how you should ensure that you're compliant. Welcome to the program, Marcus. Morning, Alexi. Thank you for having me. Oh, Hi, look, everyone. It's great to have the ATO in the room because um, I like to get to the nitty-gritty of the why and why is it that these things are so important that we... I don't want to say fall into line. I don't want to talk about the compliance burden that it is, but it's about uh, making sure that everybody's looked after in the system of taxation, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. One of the things that um, you can commonly hear as well is that, um, you know, is everyone's responsibility type of thing. And um, I think uh, with particularly with TPRS or the Tax or Payments Reporting System, it's, you know, it, it sounds a bit of a cliche, but really it is partnering and working together as a community mm-hmm. because, as a, you know, the, the tax system is so broad and so wide. Um, you know, everyone has a contribution um, that, that make the system into a viable and, and really help um, everyone while doing it. And it's an important aspect, isn't it? Because um, we are all a cog in the wheel and it's really important that we, um, I guess, are uh, not so much compliant, but um, transparent with what it is that we're doing so that laws and legislation and administration can all be made better for for everybody's purposes. Yeah, absolutely. Now, let's talk about TPARs in particular. This is something that you look after at the ATO um, in particular. And you mentioned um, just before you came on air that there's lots of organisations that you're talking to to try and make sure that everybody understands what their requirements are and why. So tell me about the why. Why, What is the TPAR? Why does it exist? Who is it trying to protect? Okay, so um, the the purpose of uh, TPARs and um, for people to lodge their their annual report um, annually is um, it's to 
we use the data to detect contractors in certain industries that are that aren't um, that are gaining an unfair advantage. Mm. Um, so, building construction uh, industry was the first industry that was brought in uh, about seven eight years ago, and what what was found through intelligence through um, the ATO. Um, information as well as um, other government departments was that the building construction industry was um, a big uh, area of where black economy activities were happening and one of those um, areas was in in contractors so the the risk in contractors uh, among other things um, is that people aren't in the system so they're not lodging their income tax returns or they're under reporting uh, the whole cash in hand uh, cash economy type of scenarios and not properly registering for uh, gst so um, what the TPRS system now is um, bringing in is other industries that consider high, um, high risk as well, and particularly for contractors in those industries. So we're trying to get information on that so that we can uh, detect and mitigate those kind of uh, non-compliance issues. Yeah, let's talk about that whole contractors thing. I'm going to play devil's advocate here and say, look, I'm a builder. I've been paying people cash in hand for years. It's fine. What difference does it make? Why is it my responsibility to make sure that they put their taxes in? I'm still paying them what I would normally be paying them. What difference does it make? Why do I suddenly have to report on these on these people just because they're contractors. So what do you say to those sort of guys? Well, there's a couple of ways to look at that. The, the first thing is that um, the we did, we did an analysis um, a little while ago where we were just looking at building construction industry. And what we found for um, one particular year in the, in the 16 and in the 2016 year, that the, the introduction of the TPRS um, brought in uh, approximately $2.7 billion in addition to what we would normally would have, would have. So, additional tax, yeah, or in bringing in this to the system. So That's that, a lot of roads, correct? <laughs> Hospitals, roads, and it's kind of a cli- again cliched that people think that um um it, you know a small little thing that you do doesn't really matter, but when you look at the whole picture of it, it makes a huge difference. Yeah, um, and that that the other thing that that, that happens as well is that. Um, even though you're just singularly maybe reporting on what payments you make to these contractors, is that you're protecting your own business, your own industry, because there's a lot of sham contracting going on. People gain unfair advantage because they can undercut um, their pricing as well, things like that. Yeah, I'm not going to charge GST if you pay me cash, therefore it's going to be cheaper, therefore I'm going to get the job over the guy who's doing the right yeah, thing. Yeah, correct. Yeah. So let's talk about sham contracting. It's a, it's a phrase that... Um, that legisl- like the ATO use quite a lot, but not a lot of businesses are familiar with what, what, what it is. Could you explain to what sham contracting is? Um, sham contracting is uh, what you, you find a lot of it is in, in the black economy. Um, so people who aren't really registered uh, appropriately and they're getting unfair advantage because they're not paying all their, their necessary dues mm. that are to you know, different government departments, including the tax office. Mm-hmm. So they get unfair advantage for that. And um, what commonly people we refer to is... Um, it's a, a, not a level playing field. So people get a, a, a step ahead of others. That causes uh, distress to a lot of um, people trying to do the right thing. And it's not just the contractors who are getting the unfair advantage. It's also the guys who are, in, who are you know, engaging with them because, A, they get to pay less. Um, they might not have to... Well, they, they can turn around and say, well, look... Um, 
if you hurry up and get an ABN, then I don't have to put you onto payroll. Is that another form of yeah. sham contracting as well? Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of flow-on effects. You know, then um, you don't get your super entitlements. Mm. Um, you know, well, should you be an employee rather than a contractor? There's a lot of different things that are involved, um, and and this is where uh, people don't necessarily get to see the the broader impacts on, on people. And like you said, you know, one or two or three cases. I'm the builder who's going, hey, come on, I've only got like five guys that I look after but those five guys multiplied across hundreds of thousands of people across the industry um, apart from the fact that it's lost tax income for the government it's also I guess there's risks as well with with looking up with people being on a cash basis I mean what happens if someone gets injured on a work site and they've been paid cash does that does that mean they're not covered by anything either yeah correct and then you know if I take that point further too is um how about when you go into retirement um about your superannuation and things of that nature. And what's important for people to note as well is that the TPRS system is just one cog in a, in a number of things that we're trying to do to um, guard against the black economy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's it's not just one thing working in isolation. There's a lot of different things that we have to, have to do as an organisation to administer the system and make sure there is a, a level playing field for people. And we are working with people like the you know, Fair Work Ombudsman and other de- government departments through the Black Economy Task Force. So it's just not in isolation. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about who you do work with, because obviously the consultation process is really important to make sure that you're seeing it from a small business's point of view. Um, obviously, the building and construction industry, I guess they would have had some input into that all those years ago before it started. And did you have to convince them why it was so important that this this took place? I mean, was, did it take some convincing? I, I, I don't think it took too much convincing. I think it, it's it's a well known um, uh, issue in in industries. You know, in, in the recent uh, times, uh, last year and in, in, in a bit of this year as well, we were consulting before we put out any uh, in the law or any guidance materials, and we were liaising with careers and cleaners and others. And the first thing that most associations and people that we worked with were saying. That's fantastic. Yeah. Um, because they, they want us to come and assist them. Pardon the pun, it's time for the cleaning industry to clean up its act. <laughs> no, it's terrible. <laughs> it's a terrible joke, sorry. So, so that, that's, an interesting, uh, that's an interesting sort of um, progression. It's moved from just being about construction because you've had, I guess you would call it a success. There's been like $2.2 billion extra yeah, 2. taxation. 2.7 roughly, yeah. 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 So there's, there's been a lot. And the thing is, is that it's... it's um, Dare I use the term uplift, but it, what, it's, what it's doing is it's raising the bar for the, the whole system in terms of what should be there. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, the differences with the, the building and construction industry, because that was rife with um, uh, black economy activity, and that, that law that was um, introduced a number of years ago, um, if you're primary, primarily in that industry and you use contractors, you're brought into the system. The, the different way to look at the, the new uh, set of laws that um, governs careers, cleaners, IT, road freight and secure investigative services is that we're trying to capture information on contractors in those industries. But the businesses who are required to um, report a TPAR or taxable payments annual report, you don't have to be in those industries. Yeah, let's give some good examples for that because I think that that's maybe where a little bit of confusion lies yeah. around it. So I'll, I'll say firstly is that if you're in that industry and then you use contractors to um, fulfil one of those services for your clients, right, you're, you're, you'll be um, obligated to, to lodge a TPAR. But in the circumstances we're just discussing, you know, we call it mixed business. So an example is um, if you're a florist and um, part of your business model is that you do a lot of delivery uh, of flowers. And that, that may be one of your core 
uh, ways to actually get the, your product to the clients and you use a courier. Mm-hmm. Um, that puts you in a situation where you're, you're likely to be um, c- have to consider whether this reporting obligation um, uh, pertains to you or not. Uh, other examples are like if you're a wedding planner or event manager and, you know, you organize a, a function and part of the function, you're, you're charging people to say, well, I'll provide the catering, but I'll also provide the cleaning a- after. Um, once uh, you're providing those services, all of a sudden you have to think about uh, whether that uh, it is something you need to think about. You know, the other thing that we we often hear about is too is that um, the 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 cost of um, these reporting obligations. So um, in, in designing the, the law, there is an exemption. So what what we don't want to ha- happen is we don't want people who use a courier like once a year yeah. to get caught in things okay. like that. Okay. So there is a reporting exemption. Mm-hmm. So um, you know, apologies to the audience for be, being a bit technical, but if you um, earn less than 10% of your total uh, gross GST in providing those services, you won't have reporting obligation. Okay, so the income that you earn, if less than 10% involves one of these services, Correct. that being cleaning, courier, uh, IT and security and logistics, did you say? Transport and logistics? Uh, road freight. Road, road freight, freight, freight yeah. sorry. Um, if, if less than 10% of the invoices you send out involve that service, then you're exempt. Yeah. So if, okay. yeah. So the, the amount of um, income you get from your clients, yep. um, uh, as a percentage of your total GST, so you, you, you know basically your turnover. Yeah. Um, what you know, we're talking before um, we got got on air. One of the things that um, I often think about with this is that um, uh, or TPRS is that TPRS almost happens um, organically as part of your business. The more you understand your business and the better you have your record keeping, uh, TPRS or this reporting obligation is sort of a byproduct of that. Yeah. So you you should have a good handle of what your business model is, how big certain elements of it are and what you're actually doing. And then you should have the invoicing because you need to do it anyway with, you know, bass and other things. So the hopefully and we try our, our best to make it as, as painless as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, we can talk a bit later about online forms and things like that. So Let's just be picky about one thing because I just get um, – I want to make sure that everybody understands that it's all about the sales, right? It's about the, it's about the invoices that you send out if they involve this service. <clears throat> it's not about you using an IT guy to come in and fix your computer, is it? It's yeah, not about correct. the purchases yeah, that you correct. make. It's more about think about what you're selling on to your clients and if, you, in, if in those sales it involves the need for a courier or a cleaner, that's what we're talking about. We're not talking Absolutely. about you having an office cleaner come into your office and clean the office because that's everybody. Um, but I guess in doing that, you're trying to capture um, more and more of the contractors involved with other businesses that are doing the wrong thing. I mean, as soon as you said couriers, I immediately thought of, yeah, how many people out there just have a a bit of a cash, a guy who comes and does a quick delivery for me once a month and it's a cash payment. How many people like that are out there? And that's really what you're trying to capture. Am I right in saying that? Yeah, that's right. And we're we're trying to get the the, the data and the information where we can... um uh, identify those who aren't doing the right thing. Mm. And so, you know, we, we like to be clear that a uh, majority of people are doing the right thing. Um, but what, we, what we're focusing on is trying to understand um, who, who aren't 
and trying to, to, to deal with those um, people in, the, in an appropriate way. We're going to take a quick break here on Triple H 100.1 FM in the studio. When we get back, we're going to talk to Marcus from the ATO a little bit more about how exactly you report this information to the ATO. They've made some changes to the back end to make sure that it's easier for you to do um, and what you can do in the different systems that you work within that the ATO is trying to help you to make sure that you're reporting this information to them. You're listening to Triple H and Small Biz Matters with Alexi Boyd. We'll be back after this. So today we're talking to the ATO all about TPARs. Now, if you're in the building and construction industry, you should have known about it for about the last seven years, but there are some new industries which this is going to start affecting. Marcus, am I right in saying that it's from the 1st of July that people needed to have been aware of this? And let's talk about how they're going to be reporting this to the ATO at the end of the financial year. Okay, so the, with couriers and cleaners, um, they w- should be recording uh, recording the, the information through the invoices from 1st of July last year, 2018. Mm-hmm. And for IT, road freight and security investigative services, they should be recording all their payments from uh, the 1st of July this year, 2019. So with couriers and cleaners, uh, they have to lodge their TPAR by the 28th of August. Um, so there's a number of ways to, to uh, report um, your, your TPA and I'm happy to, to uh, well, it's not so much announced, we, we made it available um, this year. So actually I'll start again, um, last year it was announced in the, in the budget that we were to build um, a, not build, we'll produce a uh, online form for small business and individuals to mm-hmm. be able to get into more of a digital reporting system. Yep. So um, what we have available now is that um, if you go through MyGov, if you connect MyGov with your with the ATO, you can uh, lodge your taxable payments and your report um, through MyGov. Excellent. And can you take me through, well, let, let's talk about what it is that you're trying to capture. So basically, if you've got um, someone who's maybe a contractor who you've been working with in your business, yep. uh, they should supply you with a valid tax invoice, which meets ATO criteria. Let's go through that because I'm sure this is something we talk yeah. about. We, I mean, I have bookkeepers on the show all the time and we go over and over and over this, but this is something you need to know as a business. So let's go through the requirements of a proper tax invoice. So um, for, for, for the TPA, what... W- the, the information that we need is um, a, the valid ABN. Yes, uh, valid. Valid, valid being, the, being the operative word there. <laughs> uh, you, you need, and, and this is something that's, that you need to do, right? So you engage with someone, they're a contractor, they're doing a service for you. It doesn't matter if we're talking about cleaning, IT, logistics, whatever it is. Let's just look at the invoice. If they're giving you a service, you need to look at their ABN. First of all, don't pay them until they give you an invoice. Secondly, check their ABN. The ABN lookup site is a fabulous site, very quick and easy to use. You type in the ABN and it'll pop up whether or not it's valid. So you're looking for the word active. Active, very important. Not cancelled or not even there at all, but active. Also, make sure that that um, ABN is actually theirs. I've seen on a number of occasions that... Bunnings ABN suddenly pops up on there because they're using, or I've even seen the ASIC ABN. Really? You're going to use ASIC as your ABN, but okay. So that you're looking for that information, you want to make sure it's active and you want to see whether or not it's registered for GST. So those are the two bits yeah, you're looking for. And, and the ABN issues, um, that's the most common error, one of the most common errors we, we find in, in when people lodge a TPAR. So, um, and I'll, I'll speak more about the, the ABN issue as well um, because um, in their new form, online form, um, if people go to their form and you look at where you put the ABN, we've actually built in a search function there oh. that is um, a, akin to the uh, ABN lookup or it's, it's related to the ABN lookup. Great. So you can press that and then it will show you what the registered ABN name is. 
Um, so, you know, that's what we think is a really great function for people that, you know, to save themselves time and you can automatically check that. Does uh, it also check whether or not they're valid? Like yeah, it, it tells you if it's invalid. If it's yeah, yeah. It tells you it tells you if it's but, invalid. But everyone should understand. Don't panic if you see that the ABN looks like it's a name, a business name that's completely different from the person that you've employed. Because sometimes um, people are using an ABN of a trust account, for example, if it's part of a family enterprise or if it's a larger organisation that doesn't really ma- yeah. match what their name you, is. Don't panic find, about that. You'll find that on the ABN lookup what may may occur quite often is that when you put in the ABN and you, and you search it. It'll be the um, registered name, so it could be a, a trust or you know a, a different name. But people on in the invoice will get their trading name, mm. uh, so and that's fine. And that's what you put. Um, we ask people in the invoice to put the 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 trading name in the in the in, not the trading names. Apologies, the the name that's on the invoice. Mm. Uh, into the the TPAR, as well as the address, the total amounts paid, you know, gross amount uh, paid, including GST, the total GST, and um, any amount that's um, uh, withheld because there there was no ABN provided. So um, what businesses should be doing is if you're using a contractor and they have no ABN, you should be taking the the tax withheld. Which is how much? uh, 48.5, I think it is. Yeah, quite a lot. Yeah, you need to be. And again, this is why we sort of say ad nauseum, make sure you get the invoice beforehand. And if they haven't got a valid ABN, you have to withhold 48.5% tax. Now, that seems like a lot. But guess what? If that person is, I guess, behaving like a contractor, they should have an ABN. If they're behaving like a business and they're operating on, like as an ABN, Australian business number, they should have an ABN. So in a way, you need to uh, either, well, you need to ask them to produce an invoice that has an ABN on it, or you need to employ them. Is that is that what we're talking about here? Or you withhold the yeah, 48.5? Yeah. Exactly, exactly. And what we find as well with um, a lot of people uh, get caught in with using the ABNs is sometimes they've been, like you mentioned before, they've been using the same person as a contractor for years, but sometimes people change their, their business structures and things like that. So their ABN may change. So it's all, it always pays to just double check. Mm. And um, it shouldn't take too much time because we've added that into the online form as well. Uh, so uh, the online form uh, via MyGov for, for available for, for businesses, small businesses, um, it went live uh, end of June, but obviously most people use it from, from July. And um, what we found um, that there's a big uptake in it uh, already. Um, so people should, should really look at it. It's um, yeah, a great resource. And again, at the back of your mind, everybody who's listening now should be thinking of the invoices that I send out to my clients is more than 10%. Uh, representative of some services that involve cleaning, IT. You know, what am I? What am I passing on to my clients as a cost? Yeah, and that's what we really should be doing. Now, there there are other options. Obviously, I, I can imagine. Um, sorry to play devil's advocate, but is the MyGov system where you put it in? That's that's quite labour intensive. You have to type in the numbers and fill it all in manually. Am I right in saying that? Yeah, yeah. The, you you got to fill it in. And what we found and what we um, actually produced that for is for those people who were still um, lodging via paper and may only have two, three, four contractors. And we found on on average at the moment with this form about average four contractors for right. those people in small business. So it's only you a few ab- minutes. Yeah. So, and you're absolutely right. So, you know, if, if you have software, business software that has TPAR functionality, that, that's probably the most efficient way because it incorporates your other business functions and yes. your requirements. So, you know, it shouldn't take you any time at all. 
Um, and you can uh, go to your, your bookkeeper, your BAS agent, your, your, your tax professional to assist you as well. And that's really something where I guess it's great to see that the ATO is utilising those partners who are the experts in their trade to say, OK, everyone just stop doing everything manually and it taking you hours and hours and hours of your time. And I guess value your time more and think about bringing on, um, you know, a professional who is properly accredited and properly trained and is part of a professional association, making sure that the person you're using is someone who really knows what they're doing and they will help you navigate your way around the myriad of different softwares that are out there to, to be able to... Um, to do this more efficiently. I mean, yeah. that's that's really what it's about. You guys don't necessarily push the whole you must have an online software thing for your business, but at the same time, you can see the value in saving people time and money with, with doing Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Yeah, and it's broader than, than just tax. It's understanding what businesses go through in the day-to-day. You know, mm. I think you spoke with Deborah Jenkins previously uh, on your podcast where people will do this after hours. Um, or their book, you know, book work. So you're trying to make it as easy as possible, you know. And if you use paper as an example, that um, we found gets the, there's a lot of errors where people like put in cents when you don't have to, um, transposition errors, things like that. And um, what that causes is that it causes a bit of um, more contact poten- uh, potentially from the tax office, um, just asking, inquiring, you know, what was this actual correct amount or was this the right ABN, things of, of that nature. Yeah, I mean, and I think that's really important. Nobody really, as much as we love the a- the ATO and we think you're doing a fantastic job, nobody really wants a call from the ATO. No. It can be a bit scary, although often it's just finding out more information, so don't panic if they do call. And also, don't think that it's the ATO when it's not. <laughs> that yeah. whole thing, yeah, cybersecurity. Well, yeah. One other thing that um, um, people should um, be aware of as well is that um, with, with contractors, obviously, you don't always necessarily use contractors. If you're really busy, you may use contractors to, to, to help you know, within busy periods. But in, there could be certain years where uh, you don't need use contractors or you've brought in more employees, an example. So what you can do on um, ato.gov.au uh, in the TPAS section, we provide an online form that um, lets us know that you're not required to lodge a TPAS for that particular year. Right. Um, so that you're, that you're not obligated to do that, but um, by providing us that information that minimizes the likelihood that we will contact you or you will get um, you know any kind of communications from us um, saying that you, you may have to lodge a, a TPA. So in general when we're talking about these industries we've been listing off the building and construction, IT, security, transport, road freight, road freight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I keep on saying transport, road freight uh, and um, who am I missing? Uh, cleaning, security, security. thank yep. you. So if, if you keep on hearing those words, I'm going to keep saying those, that list of, um, of sectors because they're the ones who really need to be aware of it. But at the same time, if you're, if you're in that industry and, and you're not using a contractor, you can opt out. But we have to assume that everybody who has a part of their income that involves those services is automatically opted in. You have you have been opted in because you, you of have, legislation. Yeah, you you, ha- you have the conditions which mean that you're likely to. Um, if you don't have contractors, then you, you, there's no obligation. But you're because we we go we're kind of very start and systems are orientated. Um, we only know what you, information you've provided uh, to us, so we know that you're in a particular industry. Oh, could I just clarify then? If you are an IT provider and you, you are an IT consultant, but you have not used any contractors, do you need to tell the ATO? Is it a must that you have to you don't tell have the ATO? To, no, you don't have to tell us. Oh, okay. Um, no. But, what but you we'll, might get a call. Yeah, exactly. Okay. You might get a call, you might get letters, you might get a, a number of communication type of um, interactions with us. So um, it, you're, 
it's no obligation to, to let us know that you don't use contractors, mm-hmm. but um, it does minimise the likelihood of, of us contacting you. And may I ask as well, um, let's talk about the way that the ATO communicates with people because there is a little bit of confusion about what address you might have listed with the ATO. Is it important that you have at least one method of contact um, that is you directly? Because I know that a lot of people, uh, their accountants might just lob everything into one bucket and say every piece of communication goes through me, um, therefore I can administer as much of it as, as I can, but then I minimise the amount of client, uh, client act- activity that goes through the ATO, but that can lengthen things out a bit. It's not ideal. Yeah, it's, it's, it's always good. You know, it's really up to what people's preferences are, but it's always good to have your own contact as the business owner as well as a, you know, your a tax professional as well. Yeah, because they can provide the advice as much as possible, but then you could minimise costs as well if you're the one who can answer because the questions. When we, were cons- when we were consulting with a number of these things, we, we found a lot of examples of people who are small businesses that did, say, BAS and the TPA um, themselves, but then the more complicated aspects where in income tax returns, they would give to a tax professional. So those are circumstances where people, you don't want to miss out on any communications if you're doing part of um, the, the obligations. Fantastic. And it's a way, way to minimise costs as well. Look, uh, we're going to take another break here on Small Biz Matters on Triple H 100.1 FM. When we come back, we're going to talk to Marcus a little bit more from the ATO about uh, maybe some common errors that they see with people who are lodging TPAR reports. You're listening to Small Biz Matters with Alexi Boyd. We are on Triple H 100.1 FM plus across the community radio network. We'll be back after this. Welcome back to the room. You are talking to Alexi Boyd from Small Biz Matters and we have got the ATO in the room talking all about TPARs. Um, I just want to let everybody know who's a, uh, a listener here in Australia. Well, that's most of you actually. There is a fantastic new guide that's been launched by the Australian Small Business and Family Enterprise Ombudsman, which for those of you who don't know, is one of your advocates in the small business industry and Scottish Pacific Business Finance. It's the Fits Me Essential Guide to Business Funding. Now, I went to this launch yesterday and it's a rather exciting guide which should be available to you either through your accountant or you can go, of course, to the um, Asbiford, <laughs> the Australian Small Business and Family Enterprise Ombudsman website and, of course, Scottish Pacific website. It's a great guide on how to get yourself financially fit. So looking at funding options, looking at ways that you can make sure that you are, um, I guess, good-looking to finance people who want to give you money. That's a really bad way to explain it. But basically making sure that everything's in order and updating business plans, fixing business accounts, um, understanding your credit worthiness, which is um, a a phrase that is used by uh, business and finance funders to work out whether or not you're you know, you've got enough capital to be able to invest in your business. Whether or not you even need funding, there's a little bit of information there about mental health issues and also the funding decision flow chart. It's a great uh, visual aid to help you understand whether or not you need any business loan and um, where to get it and what sort of a backing you need in order to be financially fit to make sure that your um, the, the, the banks or the financial institutions are interested in giving you that money. There's a couple of uh, places you can go to for assistance with this as well. I want to let everybody who's in New South Wales know about Valiant Finance, who are supported by the um, New South Wales Small Business Ombudsman's Office. It's a free service and you can find out about ways that you can make sure that you are financially fit. But this is a great guide that's brought out um, by the Commonwealth as well. So um, if you want to find out more and, you know, it's a good idea, even if you're not thinking about borrowing money now, but if you're, you might be in a growth phase, say in six to 12 months, 
months' time. And I can tell you right now, if you're in a growth phase, you don't have time <laughs> to think about whether or not you are financially fit. So now is a good time to have a look at your finances and see what it is that you need to do so that later on when you are growing rapidly, you've got everything in place to make sure you can do so. So to find out more information about that, go to the Australian Small Business and Family Enterprise Ombudsman's website or Scottish Pacific website as well. There's some great information there. So today we're talking to the ATO. Just before the break, we were talking to Marcus Chu, who looks after all of this, which means that you would be talking to a lot of, I guess, professional associations and professionals who support small business in correct reporting mechanisms. And today we're talking about TPARs. Uh, TPARs have been around for a number of years. It's a great way to make sure that everybody is on a level playing field, to make sure everybody's behaving fairly in the tax system. Um, And for the taxpayer or for all of us who are doing the right thing to know that everybody else is being captured into that system as well. And you were saying at the beginning of the program, $2.7 billion extra tax revenue flowed through just by looking at that one industry for the yeah. last few years, which was the or in that one, in one year, we estimated in, in that one year. Yeah, one year, correct. wow. Okay. And that's why it's being rolled out. Can you explain a little bit as to why these industries, so let's go through them again, security, IT, Road freight. Road freight. <laughs> <laughs> Road freight um, courier services and cleaning. Um, explain to me why those guys have been targeted yeah. uh, at the moment. So it's um, basically those industries or contractors in those industries um, are seen to, to probably uh, exhibit more uh, black economy type behaviours. Right. So not being in a tax system. Like uh, cash payments. Cash payments, uh, not lodging, not things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Not so, doing basses when they're supposed to. Correct. Yeah, yeah then that, that was part of the, the couriers clean. Those f- uh, five outside of the uh, building construction, they were um, recommendations as part of the government black economy task force. How does uh, that information get? How is that data collected? Is this stuff that's come through as a result of, um, you know, data collection from the ATO? You're starting to examine the data that's flowing through from from you know, tax and BAS reporting? Is that is that what the flow yeah, through is? Yeah, so we, we use data heavily in organisations. So a, lo- a lot of work in the past have done where we've actually done um, compliance or engagement activities that um, don't necessarily, weren't necessarily about TPRS, but what we found was this was uh, a, a common issue. And then as, as that built up and, and we realised that it was an issue, then that's when probably a lot of this work uh, stems from. I believe the property in construction or the building construction um, aspect of it. Uh, there was an ABS study many years ago, I think, about um, that this was that industry was a big uh, cog in the black economy. Oh, I don't think you needed an ABS study to work <laughs> out that there was a lot of, and there still is. There's still a lot of people out there. I mean, I literally had uh, a family friend come over for lunch the other day, and she said, "Oh, my son's." Oh, I said, "How's your son doing? You know, he just finished uni, he just finished school. What's he What's he doing with himself? Oh, he's working on a." He's working on a side, he's labouring, and you know, he's getting cash in hand, he's earning lots of money. I went, what? He's getting paid cash? And she said, yeah, yeah, that's fine. So, so you realise that he is totally uninsured. If anything happens in the workplace, that's it. And if he gets found out, he's going to have a monumental tax bill because it's never been, his tax has never been withheld by his employer. So he's going to have a tax bill if he gets found out. And what makes you think he's not going to get found out? Like, I don't... It's still happening. It is actually still happening in, in a major way. And for young people as well, you know, those people who are working on construction sites who are 
oblivious and, and don't think that it's a problem for them, but um, it can be if something happened to them. Yeah, and it gives an unfair advantage to those people who, who do um, have those kind of practices uh, compared to someone who doesn't. Yeah. Um, you know, in terms of pricing and ability to get jobs, etc. Yeah, exactly. So, um, obviously, it's it's a success and it's been proven as a success. And, and yes, we'll, let, we'll, we'll admit here that one of the reasons it's happening is because of it's going to increase revenue for, for to flow through to, to tax, which is good because that benefits everybody, really. Tell me about some of the common mistakes that you see people make already with, with TPARs. So, what are some of the things that we should be avoiding if we're getting that reporting system wrong? Yeah, the, the ABNs is the... the the, the biggest one, I'd say I, I had a chuckle to myself when you mentioned about um, people providing ABN that is uh, like Bunnings. <laughs> so you know, examples like that uh, do occur. So, you know, if you see something that, that kind of sticks out, uh, you know, if you have an IT consultant and the ABN is Microsoft, hmm. you know, you, you've got to kind of have a think about that yeah. know, and consider that. Um, so ABNs is a big one, particularly where they don't match the you know, information that we, we have or they or they're invalid um, the other one is uh, providing sense. So, you know, we, we may get things like instead of saying that it's um, 1.7 million in, in GST, it's like 170 million because they put the sense. Oh, wow. In. Okay, so, decimal know, point in the wrong place. Yeah, yeah. And, that's and, basic year six maths, everybody. And that's one of the things that um, if you use the now available online uh, form where um, it, it clearly doesn't want you to put sense in there. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if you business software or go your tax professional and stuff like that. And what, what, what tends to happen is that people um, always forget that they're, they're, there's a cause and effect type of thing. That, um, no, one, no one means to make those mistakes, but then um, people don't like necessarily contact with the tax office. But that's part and parcel of it. If, you know, you've got to take care in terms of when you're actually lodging those kind of obligations. Yeah, and, and I think it's like it, it's about what Michelle Grisdale and I were talking about, a fabulous bookkeeper I had on the program a couple of weeks ago. It's time to adult, everybody. It's time to pull your socks up, adult. If you're filling in a form that's going to go to the to ATO, maybe just spend that little bit of extra time to make sure it's being done properly and then you won't have the repercussions. Can we just quickly talk about um, that contact point with the ATO just before the break? We were talking about making sure that there's at least one point of call that's you and not necessarily your tax agent where the ATO can t- contact you. How do we know that it's really the ATO calling? Uh, that's, a, that's a good question. Um, I think that there's a number of things that the ATO won't do. Um, so the ATO won't call you and ask you to pay by, um, you know, gift cards and things like that. So, you know, there's, there's things... We can't mean. say that more frequently than we already do. It's, it's out there. It's even, even at Coles. Even at Coles, they've got the signs up that says, if you're being asked by the ATO to pay for something using an iTunes card, perhaps that's not what's, uh, what's, what's required and it's, it's actually false. Um, so, yes, you won't ask for gift cards. How else can, can the alarm bells go off? I, I think... Um, you know, asking for like a, a proof of identity in terms of what information they ha- um, have uh, about yourselves. So if we contact you, we, 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 there would be a reason for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we would go through the proof of identity and asking yourself, uh, are, are we talking the right person as well? Uh, and we wouldn't be asking for people to, to do a number of uh, things um, via the phone um, either. So I think you, it's got to pass the smell test. Yeah. Uh, and I think the difficulty in terms of giving people uh, an idea about what we wouldn't do is that um, all these scams progress very quickly. So, you know, that you, you, I think you would have to um, check um, whether, uh, what purpose that you're getting the call for from. Um, like I said before, um, asking questions around the, the uh, information that we hold on, on you. 
um, you know, those are good good signs early that we those are the right people. Yeah. Because the counter the counter to the of these kind of scenarios with the scams is that I know a lot of our staff in the call centres when they do call, um, even when I've called people in the past, that people automatically think it's a scam. So they say, well, you know, I don't believe you, and they hang up. So we have to go through our due diligence and let them know that this is why we're calling you. But by the same token, if you are not 100% sure, hang up, because the ATO will find a way of getting hold of you, believe me, um, and you need to make sure that you're protecting yourself as well. So so I've, I've in the past been contacted by the ATO legitimately, and I'll say things like, um, they'll ask me for my date of birth, and I'll say, no. I don't give out Correct. that piece of information over the phone. You tell me what you know about me. Maybe give me my ABN. Maybe tell me what my name is. Tell me what the last thing was that I lodged with the Absolutely. ATO. Like you put the put the onus back on them to the, show that they need to prove their identity because they're the ones who contacted Absolutely. you. Absolutely, yeah. And, yeah. And that's what I meant by asking about what information we know of you rather than you providing the information. Um, let us explain to you why we're coming to you. Excellent. Okay. Yeah, that's yeah. great. Good advice. Good advice. Thanks, Marcus. So um, if you missed any of today's program, you can, of course, catch up via podcast and iTunes. We'll be pushing this out through um, the Small Biz Matters fa- Facebook page, uh, all the different socials, and make sure you follow us as well and subscribe to our newsletter so you can find out more and find out who's coming up on the program. Marcus, tell us about how people can find out more about the TPAS system and find out whether they're it's a requirement for them and then how to fill out the forms. We're using our um, the ato.gov.au site as our primary um, area to get as much information as possible. So if you go to ato.gov.au backslash TPAR um, and you'll have a whole lot of information there from different perspectives. So that we've got tailored information for each of those um, industries, um, what your reporting obligations are. I mentioned before about the return not required. Are not ne- not necessary. So there's information on that. There's information on how to lodge. And one important aspect as well is that there, there's resources in there for uh, what we call the culturally and linguistically diverse community. So we have, you know, simplified um, you know, Chinese, Arabic, Greek, uh, different languages there as resources as well. So yeah, go to that website and um, th- there's a lot of information there. I would say to everybody as well, if you're a small business in Australia, you should already be subscribing to the Small Business Newsroom newsletter, which is packed full of information information, helps you keep on touch with your requirements, your deadlines, uh, what you need to report to the ATO and any major changes that do affect you, your business and your industry. Thank you very much for coming on the program today. Thank you for having me. And we'll probably be having the ATO on the program again in the coming months. As always, we've got tons of guests, experts, leaders in their field, uh, the government, a great educational resource for Small Business Matters. So make sure that you keep in touch with us uh, just by finding out what's coming up on the show and, and listen to the podcasts. My name is Alexi Boyd. You've been listening to Small Business Matters on Triple H 100.1 FM. We'll be back next week.